Father God, we come to you in the name of Jesus. Just praise you and worship you and just take this time to be with you. I thank you that you are here with us. I thank you that you are a good, good God. Yes, thank you, Jesus. I thank you for your mercy and your grace and your forgiveness and your love. I ask you now to just fill this place up with your spirit, Father. Touch the lives of each person here, each person coming in today, each person watching. I just ask you now to bless Terry as he brings the word today, Father. Bless the music in the name of Jesus. Amen.
not be shaken Nor will we be moved You are our foundation Jesus We will cling to you No mountains may crumble to the ground Waves are crashing in Trying to drag us down Through the wind and the rain He has never changed He's still on the throne He's still on
Oh. 
Amen. Yeah. Thank you, Lord. We lift you up this morning, Lord God. You are worthy, Lord. You are worthy, Lord God. You alone are good. You alone are just. You alone are holy, Lord God. We will praise you, Lord. I will praise you for the rest of my life, Lord God, because without you, Lord God, apart from you, we are, we are nothing. We are meaningless, Lord God. But in you, there is hope, Lord God. In you, we have joy. We have hope to face the night, Lord God. Hallelujah. Thank you. Hallelujah. I, I, I got to say, I, I felt the Lord um, wanted me to share. Uh, hope you all remember. I was going to share the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And how So they were called to, uh, to bow down to worship the, the image. From uh, Nebuchadnezzar, right? He called all the people to bow down and worship the image. And uh, y'all remember what they said, right? When uh, everybody else, everybody else bowed down in the nation. I don't know how many people were there, but there was a bunch of them. And the three of them, they chose to stand. They said, our God, our God is able to deliver us from the fire, from the furnace. Our God is able, but even if he doesn't, even if he doesn't, even if we have to, to go through this storm a little longer, even if we have to 
to go through the night a little bit longer, we will not bow down. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, we put our hope in you, Lord God. There might be pain in the night, Lord God, but joy comes in the morning. Your yes. mercies are new every morning, Lord Hallelujah. God. It's in you we have hope. Yes. Oh, we lift you up and we praise you all the days of our lives, yes. Lord God. Thank you, Receive our worship this morning. Yes. Thank you. Hallelujah. In Jesus' name.
My God is stronger. Bring on the flood and open the gates. My God is stronger. Trouble will come and won't be afraid. My God is
good yes. Woo, yeah Hallelujah. that's what i'm talking about the lord is good yes. amen thank you jesus the lord we rejoice in your goodness lord i thank you that there is nothing too difficult for you no sir we see things in this life and we become overwhelmed and we get all fearful and anxious but lord there is nothing that is too difficult for you oh, this morning we have needs in this body lord we lift up those in our body that are sick, Lord, we cry out to you for healing and health and wholeness. For Mark Milligan, Lord, that you would move in him miraculously, that you touch joy and give them peace, Lord. Our trust is in you. Our trust is in you, Lord. Lord, for the others, for Chris, she has medical issues and things going on, Lord, we just lift her up and ask that you heal and deliver her completely. Set her free, Lord. Raise her up in Jesus' name. And Lord, for all those in these families that are, that are trying desperately to pray and believe and support and do all the things that they do, Lord, give them peace and give them hope. Fill us all with hope, Lord, so that, that we wouldn't be overcome with fear or doubt when we look at the circumstances, but we'd be filled with hope and faith. We know that you are bigger than all of our problems, that you are more than able. You are more than able to do what needs to be done. You can deliver us from the fiery furnace, but if not, but if not, we still are going to hold on to you. We're still going to trust you. We're going to proclaim your goodness. We're going to proclaim your power and your glory. Whether we see the end results that we prayed for or not, we still believe that you are God and we know that you are our trust is in you hallelujah Lord I thank you for the refreshing that we've experienced this morning in your presence as we worship you Lord you poured out your spirit on us and we we tasted and we saw that you were good because we experienced your goodness this morning Lord I thank you for that I ask now that you speak to each person Lord that as we as we wait on you a moment Lord that you would 
speak to each one of us, those words that we need to hear. Decisions we're trying to make. We're asking for wisdom. Tell us, Lord. Tell us which way to go. And I don't want a mystery. I want it to be plain and clear because I'm not so bright sometimes. Lord, I want to hear exactly what you're saying. You say this way. This is it right here. Walk in it right here. It's not to the right. It's not to the left. It's right here. Help me to get my ears tuned into you, Lord, so that I can hear you clearly and I can do what you've asked me to do. Lord, I thank you that you have the words that we need to hear today. You alone have the words of life. You alone have the words that we need to hear. As John was praying this morning, he said that it would be the living word, every word that proceeds from the mouth of God, that we would be dependent on you, Lord. We need your word. We don't need knowledge. We don't need information. We need to hear from you. So, Lord, speak to us. As we wait on you, I invite you, Lord, Holy Spirit, speak to us, each one of us. Speak to us corporately. Let us hear from you, Lord. That's what we come for. We come to hear from you. So speak to us, Lord. Just yield yourself to him and let the Lord speak to you now. As we, as we just stay in his presence, Carol's going to play over us for a minute. Just allow the Lord to breathe life into you and bring refreshing peace and hope and joy and love. Let it just fill you. Hear those words of love that he's speaking over you. of the Lord is not burdensome. It's easy. It fits just right. It won't chafe you. It won't rub you wrong. It fits just right. And, and when you are yoked up with the Lord, your burden seems much lighter and you are, are able to go and do the things that you need to do and it won't be burdensome. It'll be a fulfilling, joyful thing when you're obedient. Because when you're yoked up with the Lord, that's the way it works. Lord, thank you for your word to us. Thank you, Lord, for the encouragement. Lord, we receive that. We receive, Lord, what you say. And I reject and renounce all the lies of the enemy. The world has a, has a system. The world has a way. The world has a, an attitude, but it's contrary to what you say. The way of the world will bring death, but the words that you speak bring life, Lord. I choose you. I choose your word. I choose your life, Lord. I choose that abundant life. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen and amen. You can be seated. Thank you, worship team.
Wow, that's good stuff. That make you get excited. Make you do something you might you might not be expecting. You might want to give a shout or something. There you go. Yeah, I'm okay. I'm okay with that. You know, we I believe that we ought to make a joyful noise to the Lord. And sometimes that joyful noise will be uh, it'll be a shout or it'll be a clap or it'll sing. It'll be a, a loud song. So the Lord wants us to be excited and enthusiastic when we worship Him. Okay, so we've been talking about knowing God. And um, I have to admit, um, I've been a little bit anxious about this one. Knowing God as Jehovah Rapha, our healer. And I shouldn't be anxious about it, but uh, how many of you have prayed for someone to be healed and they weren't healed? Yeah. Um, so I don't really worry about it. I mean, I have come to the place in my relationship with the Lord that I, I just do what I feel like I'm supposed to do, and I leave the results up to Him, although I will say that it can be a little intimidating sometimes. And uh, the, more, the more aggressively you pray and the more you extend your faith and the more you try to you know, express your faith, the more you expect certain things to happen. And when they don't, it, uh, you know, it, it, it kind of tends to leave a mark on you a little bit. And so we have to constantly do, do battle to keep our, our attitudes and our hearts right and know that it's not us. We don't heal people. Each person is responsible for their own faith and their own believing and their own healing. I mean, you know, that's, we can pray for them and we can exert faith and maybe God will heal them if that person is comatose or is not a believer or whatever. God will respond to our faith. But, but there's a lot of things that go into it. It's not just a matter of praying a simple prayer and, uh, because God is not, he's not a vending machine. You know, you don't put your money in and pull the lever and you get, you get it. It just doesn't work that way. So <clears throat> I put this off, but I can't put it off any longer because I'm done with all the other, the other topics. So uh, here we go. The text is Exodus 15, verses 22 through 27. And I've had a, a wonderful time studying and preparing for all of these because I've learned that in each one of the cases where God is revealed in a certain way about his character and his nature and who he is, it also, there is a, there is a story, a circumstance, a historical event that goes along with that, and it gives you context to understand what that means when God says, I am your shepherd, or I am your banner, I am your provider, I am your peace or your righteousness, or I am there. In this case, he said, I am your healer. So Moses brought Israel from the Red Sea. They went out into the wilderness of Shur. And they went three days in the wilderness and they found no water. <clears throat> just let me stop there for just a second and just say that. So the Red Sea, I mean, they had just crossed the Red Sea. They got delivered from Egypt. Went through all that, you know, Pharaoh chased them down. They had the Red Sea experience. God saved them. The army of Egypt, you know, perished in the Red Sea. 
<clears throat> and they were all singing and dancing, you know, you know, our God is a mighty God. You know, he is trying gloriously. The horse and the rider thrown into the sea. They were singing and dancing. Woo-hoo, yeah, baby, it's all good. We're great. Yeah, God's good. It's all good. Three days later, they're thirsty. And lo and behold, things start to change. When you get thirsty, you start thinking about everything. So when they came to Marah, they could not drink the waters of Marah, for they were bitter. So they were already thirsty. There was no water for three days. They probably had some, you know, some containers filled with water from when they left the Red Sea or something. They, but three days, no water, and then they come to some water. They got all their expectations, hope of, woohoo, water. And it's bitter. You couldn't drink it. Therefore, the name of it was called Mara. That means bitter. The people complained against Moses, saying, What shall we drink? So he cried out to the Lord, and the Lord showed him a tree. And when he cast it into the waters, the waters were made sweet. And there he made a statute and an ordinance for them. There he tested them. And he said, if you diligently heed the voice of the Lord, your God, and do what is right in his sight, give ear to his commandments, and keep all his statutes, I will put none of the diseases on you which I have brought on the Egyptians. For I am the Lord who heals you. And then they came to Elam, where there were twelve wells of water and seventy palm trees. So they camped there by the waters. The context is, is always important. But I, I think, you know, the New Testament, Paul says that, that the stuff written in the Old Testament was written for our example it's for us to learn from. It's for us to understand how God works. Because the way God, is, God has always worked in the same basic ways. And the devil has always worked in the same basic ways. The devil is trying to do one thing. God is doing something else. And God reveals himself, and then he does what he's revealed. He is who he is. He is who he says he is. He can do what he said he will do. And we need to see him that way. That's why he's revealed himself as our healer, so that we would see him as our healer, and hopefully we'll understand more about what that means. <clears throat> There's an obvious pattern in this context um, that we just read. You're not always on the mountaintop or the uphill. You know, there's ups and there's downs. There's there's challenges, there's victories, and then there's, there's setbacks or there's struggles. And I'm convinced that God is much more interested in how we respond to all those things than whether or not he makes those things go away and makes the path perfect and level and straight and convenient and nice and easy and wonderful and smooth and all of those sort of things. I don't think God wants us to suffer, but he wants us to do the right things. And sometimes in order for us to get to the point that we're willing to do the right things, we have to experience some difficulties and some challenges because that's what makes you begin to question. But let's just think about that for a second. Everything that you've done in your life, good and bad, you look back on it, you think about it, you see the things that you did and it didn't have a good end. I mean, you, you're aware of that and you say, huh, 
that was not a good choice. And then the things that you did right, you know, you see the results like, wow, that worked out really good. I, I want to keep making choices like that. That's, that's just the simple way to think about walking with the Lord, doing what He is recommending and, and commanding us, or doing your own thing. You tried your own thing. How'd that work? Not so good. Not so good. So there's a pattern. It's always that way. <clears throat> so God delivers us and sets us free from the bondage and slavery of our past, but we have to continue in faith and obedience if we're going to remain free. I mean, just because you get free doesn't mean you're going to always be free. I mean, just think about it in the natural. How many people have been incarcerated, and when they get out, they go right back into crime? I mean, it's just because you get out doesn't mean you're going to stay out. doesn't mean you're going to stay free, because bondage... We'll, we'll try to pull you back in. I mean, the devil will try to pull you back into bondage. He doesn't give up. He doesn't leave you alone just because you got free. So God presented them with the same choice that we have always had from the very beginning. It's life or death. Adam and Eve had that choice. You can eat from the tree of life, and everything's going to be just hunky-dory, <clears throat> or you eat from the tree, knowledge of good and evil, and you're going to die. They chose poorly. <clears throat> they had that choice, live or die. Don't eat and live, eat and die. The patriarchs had the same choice, believe and obey and receive your inheritance, or doubt, do your own thing, and you'll mess up your inheritance. I mean, you could go through every, every one of the patriarchs, every one of the, the significant figures in the Scripture, and you can find areas where they had those same kind of choices. Joshua going into the promised land. You know, he tells me, he said, you know, you can, you can do whatever you want, but as for me and mine, we're going to serve the Lord. You can, you can choose life or you can choose death, but we're going to choose life. King Saul, he found out that obedience is better than sacrifice. And Jesus said, he who repents and believes will be saved, but he who doesn't believe is condemned already. I mean, it's the same truth throughout all of Scripture. You have a choice. You, you choose life or you choose death. And when you choose life, it's a one-time choice, but it's also a continuing choice. I mean, you have to daily choose life. You have to daily say, I'm still in. I still want life. I still want to obey you. I still want to follow you. I'm not just trying a one-time thing and just going to let what happens happen. I'm, I am choosing to follow life. It's important that we understand that because if you don't continue to choose life, the enemy is going to be offering you death all along the way. Think about the children of Israel. They get out, they go to the, the Red Sea, and as soon as they get there, they start saying, man, let's just go back. Let's just go back. It'd be better to be a slave than to die. They get through the Red Sea. Oh, man, this is horrible. You're killing us. There's no water. What are we going to do? They, every, every step along the way, they cried and they whined and they complained. It was better when we were just in bondage. It's not better. It's better to die free than to be in bondage. Don't accept something less than God's very best for you. The Lord our healer, <clears throat> Rapha, that word means to heal or mend or rebuild. And it's 
the sense of it is it's like a physician, someone who practices the treatment or prevention or alleviation of the symptoms of a disease. It's not just healing like we think of. It's, it's way more than that. It involves your physical and spiritual. Jesus came to save us. He came to save our whole man, not just save us from our sins. He came to save us and deliver us so that we could be healthy and whole, that we could be healed in our mind, healed in our hearts, healed in our spirits, our spirits would be alive, and we could be healed physically. That's what a physician does. They give you preventative care. They tell you, take your vitamins, well, they should, take your vitamins, try some supplements, drink lots of water, eat the right food, and you'll be healthier. And then if they see you starting to have a problem, they say, hey, why don't you double up on this vitamin? Why don't you do this? They're doing that because they're trying to prevent you from being sick. And then if you get sick, they say, let's do this. And then they try to help you get over it. God is doing that for us in the same way. He, he is our healer. He wants to heal our spiritual lives, our physical lives. He wants to heal everything about us. He wants us to be whole. And spiritually, let me read this passage from Romans 8. There is, that, there is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. For what the law could not do, in that it was weak through the flesh, God did by sending His own Son in the likeness of, his, of sinful flesh on account of sin. He condemned sin in the flesh, that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who live according to the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. For to be carnally minded or fleshly minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Because the carnal mind, the fleshly mind is an enmity against God. It's not subject to the law of God, nor indeed can be. So then those who are in the flesh cannot please God. But you are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if indeed the Spirit of God dwells in you. Now if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he is not his. If Christ is in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the Spirit is life because of righteousness. In other words, Adam and Eve, when they sinned, when they ate that fruit, God said, the day you eat it, you're going to die. Their bodies were bound to death from that point forward. All of us have to die now because of sin. And he says here, your bodies, your bodies are dead, but your spirit is alive. So, he who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you. He who raised Christ from the dead will also give you life to your mortal bodies through his Spirit who dwells in you. Therefore, we are debtors, not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God, and of children, then heirs, heirs of God, joint heirs with Christ, if indeed we suffer with him, that we may also be glorified together. 
2 Corinthians 5, 17 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away, and behold, all things have become new. That's what happens to it. That's what, Jesus, what God, when he said, I am your healer, he was saying, I'm going to heal you spiritually. I'm going to take away your sin, and I'm going to make you a new creation so that you can be different. You're not going to be bound to sin any longer, and you're not supposed to continue in sin. We're supposed to be saved from our sins. From our sins. Not to continue in them, but to be saved from them. James 5.16 says, Confess your trespasses to one another. Pray for one another that you may be healed. The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. <clears throat> there is a there's a huge amount of information that we ought to be thinking about in relation to, to God being our healer because it involves every aspect of our life. It involves who God is, how we see God, and if we believe what he says or not. Because God has revealed himself as our healer, and yet some of us, it's like, well, if it's your will. And I, I believe it's God's will to heal. I believe it's our responsibility to have faith and to, and to allow God to reveal himself to us so if there are areas in our life that need to have correction, he can do that. But ultimately, I, I believe God wants to heal. Now, there, you know, it's appointed for man to die. Everybody's going to die. There is a day. You have a day. You have a day with a date, an hour, a last breath. I mean, it's it's done and when that time comes you're going to go to be with the Lord or you're going to go to hell if you don't know the Lord you can't change that day but everything up until that you can change if you pray the prayer of faith God can heal you God can deliver you God can change what appears to be a negative diagnosis from a doctor I love doctors but I'm not going to trust everything that they tell me because God tells me something different. My, my personal experience, I've been healed a number of times. I have a wife I love dearly. Been together for 49 years. And she has a lot of physical problems. And yet God has miraculously raised her up from things that should have killed her I mean, over and over and over again. She shouldn't have even been born, period. Her mother was born so premature that they put her in a shoebox and sent her home with the dad and said, she probably won't make it through the night. But she did. She made it. And because she made it, she had children. And one of those children is my wife. And she has some problems. One of the problems, well, and by the way, when she was born, her mother while she was pregnant with her, had German measles. She's not, she's not physically deformed. She's beautiful. She's not mentally incapacitated. She was the valedictorian of her class. But she does have some issues. God has delivered us from all of those things. She wasn't supposed to be able to have a child. We've got two boys. I've got five grandchildren now. God has a plan. God has a plan, but we have to believe what he says, not what, what everybody else says, because everybody else says, 
She's not going to make it through the night. Everybody else said, oh, she's going to be deformed. She's going to be having all these problems with blind and deaf and all this. They said, you're never going to have children. Got two of them. We need to believe what God says. If you don't believe what God says, you're not going to receive very much. You've got to believe, and you have to act on your faith. Physically, the Lord wants to heal us. Now, I want to read you a few scriptures, and then we're going to, we're going to move on. I'm, I'm not trying to, to convince you necessarily that God is a healer, because I believe we all believe that, but I, I just want to give you some facts. Matthew 8, 16. When evening had come, they brought to Jesus many who were demon-possessed, and he cast out the spirits with a word, and he healed all who were sick, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, saying, He himself took our infirmities and bore our sicknesses. And of course, Isaiah 53, there's a lot of verbiage in there about that he was going to bear our iniquities and bear our sorrows and our griefs, and he was going to take the chastisement of our peace upon himself. And, and some try to dispute that and say, well, those were mental problems. You know, that wasn't physical healing. When the New Testament confirms an Old Testament prophecy, then you can count on it that it is true and it applies. Matthew said, this was spoken by the prophet Isaiah saying, he himself took our infirmities, our, our sicknesses, our diseases, our mental weaknesses, the wounds in our soul, all of the things that we have and experience, he took them upon himself. And when he died on the cross, he made atonement for all of that. That atonement provides for our physical healing, our spiritual healing, our being born again, our being made new, being restored in our soul, renewed in our minds, a brand new healing through our broken hearts. I mean, it does all of that. It wasn't just to pay the price for our sins. He took everything. 1 Peter 2, 24, who himself bore our sins in his own body on the tree, that we, having died to sins, might live for righteousness, by whose stripes you were healed. 700 years before Christ, Isaiah said, by his stripes you are healed. And after he was crucified, buried, and resurrected, Peter said, by his stripes, you were healed. It was our healed, we're healed. It's done from the foundation of the world. Jesus took all of that upon himself. And all those years, we were waiting for it to happen physically, but in the, in the spiritual realm, it was already accomplished. When people were healed in the Old Testament, they were healed by his stripes. When people are healed now, they're healed by his stripes. When we were saved in the Old Testament, it was by his grace through faith. When we're saved now, it's by his grace through faith. He doesn't change. Nothing changes except the way we respond. And we respond right, then good things happen. We respond wrong, not so much. Acts 10, 38. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power, who went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. I don't want to get into a big, deep doctrinal discussion, but I just want to say that there was no sickness, there was no disease, there was no death until sin came into being. And so, ultimately, sin is responsible in some form or fashion for 
death and sickness and disease and brokenness that we have. I don't really understand exactly how it all works. Don't proclaim to know it all. But I know this. Jesus came to destroy the works of the devil. And the devil came to cause uh, death and destruction. He began in the garden, and he's been doing that same thing all these years. And if you buy into his lies and the deception that he's breathing out to everyone, then you're going to fall prey to him, and he's going to cause bad things to happen to your life. So I believe, uh, just like we read in James 5, um, confession is always good. Confession and repentance. That's how you get saved. That's how you ought to always approach God. When you approach God, you ought to be approaching him with a heart that's willing to confess and repent if you, you realize you've got something in your life that you need to correct. God can lead you and guide you. I pray that every morning. I ask the Lord to shine his light on me, expose things, and then I, I go through them and I, and I confess and repent and I ask him to heal me and forgive me and cleanse me and raise me up to newness of life so that I can walk in the spirit and not in the flesh. I want my my soul to be restored and my mind to be renewed so that I am whole and I'm thinking right about me and about God and about all the circumstances of life. If you renew your mind, you'll begin to think God's word. And when situations come along, you will respond according to what God says instead of what the world says. That's what we want. That's what this passage of Scripture in Exodus 15 is all about. They had a choice. They could believe what God said. God says, I'm taking you to a land that's going to flow with milk and honey. But all they could see was there's no water. All they could see was the water's bitter. God's promises are invalid because I don't see it. Does that make God's promises invalid just because you don't see it? If you pray for someone to be healed and they don't get healed, does that mean God doesn't heal? No. I don't, I don't understand why not everybody receives their healing, but I'm pretty sure it's not because God's not willing to do it. I'm pretty sure it's not because God's not capable of doing it. We have to believe what God says and always believe that and continue to believe it even when you, when you have a failure, even when you have a problem, even when you see something that's disappointing. I'll tell you this, the more you reach out, the more you extend yourself, the more you believe, and the more you begin to proclaim God's goodness and God's healing and deliverance power, the more likely you are to see some disappointments. If you do the safe thing and you just sit around like a little quiet mouse and don't tell anybody about it, you're not going to have any disappointments because you're not even going to be trying. But if you get out there and you try, you're going to get some disappointments because it doesn't always work out. I've had some, I've had some disappointments. But you learn from the disappointments, hopefully. Because if you don't, you're just going to keep repeating them. It's an opportunity to learn, opportunity to grow. And you cannot control other people. It's just really important that you know that. You can't control what other people do, how they pray, what they believe, how they respond. I mean, I've, I've, I've seen over the years the, the craziest things when you pray for someone. And, you know, you hear, you're just, boy, I mean, filled with faith, and you're praying, I mean, you're all into, you just know God's going to do a miracle. And they say, wow, do you really believe that was going to happen? Like, well, duh, yeah, that's why I prayed. But, I mean, they, they have zero faith. And so you're, you know, you're, you're just trying to agree with a stump. I mean, they're not, they're not entering in at all. 
And there's other times that you're praying with someone, and they're, I mean, they're buying in completely. They're all in. It's like, yes, I believe. I believe God's going to heal. You just pray a simple prayer, and boom, they're healed. I don't, I don't understand how that works. It's just that everything has to work out according to what God's plan is for that moment. And we need to always be willing to hear what God says for that moment, that situation. That's why Jesus was so effective when he prayed for the sick. He's batting a thousand, you know, I mean, he didn't miss. Every time he stepped to the plate, you know, right out of the park. Because he, he heard what God said, and he saw what God was doing, and that's what he did every time. And when we respond that way, when we find out what God is saying, we're going to find that our success rate goes up significantly, what God is saying. That's why Jesus, you know, one time he would speak over the whole crowd. Other times he'd lay hands on them, you know, he'd... he'd spit and poke him in the eyes or whatever. He did all kinds of things. I mean, he, he did some pretty unorthodox things. But it's what God told him to do. And it's probably because that's what it took for that person to extend their faith as a point of, uh, just a, a point of faith. You know, I mean, if, if you believe, if you believe that uh, hanging on to some, you know, knots on the bottom of a shawl or something is going to help your faith and you're going to get healed, then, you know, that's okay as long as you're putting your trust in Jesus. But if that helps you increase your faith, then I guess that's okay. You know, if coming down here and getting anointed with oil helps you increase your faith, then go for it. I mean, those are all things that are okay. There's nothing wrong with doing things that increase your faith. Matter of fact, we ought to be doing things that increase your faith. Jesus said, why do you have such little faith? You know, increase your faith. And it doesn't mean that it's, it's little, it's like, this or this it means it's immature make your faith mature and the way it becomes mature is by believing what God says not what your body says not what your circumstances say not what your friend will say I mean look at Job for crying out loud his friends man if you had friends like that you don't need any enemies you know I mean they, they were just laying it on so we need to learn to hear what God says about every situation okay so Bitterness and sweetness. The story we read in Exodus, that's really what it was about. They had a chance to experience the sweetness of God. He said, I'm taking you to a land that flows with milk and honey. Matter of fact, when you read on right below this chapter, you know what the very next thing is? Manna from heaven. Little wafers that tasted like honey, you know. Every day, brand new, fresh, sweet, sweet food from heaven. But in this moment, though, all they could do was see, oh, what am I going to do? We don't have any water. It's bitter. And they became bitter, and they began to grumble. And when you become bitter and you begin to grumble against people and against God, you're, you are missing all that God is trying to do. God wants to bring healing to you, and all you can see is bitterness and grumbling. Acts 8, 22. Repent, therefore, of this your wickedness. Now, this is about Simon the sorcerer. Simon the sorcerer. So he, he got saved, and then uh, some of the apostles came down, and they prayed for people, and they got baptized in the Holy Spirit. And I guess there was such miraculous things that happened. It was like, wow, this is quite a gift. And he said, here, let me give you some money so that I can have this gift. Let me buy this. And this is what Peter says to him. He says, Repent, therefore, of this your wickedness, 
and pray God will perhaps forgive, the thought of your heart may be forgiven you, for I see that you are poisoned by bitterness and bound by iniquity. Poisoned by bitterness and bound by iniquity. If you have bitterness, it's going to lead to other problems. If you have unforgiveness, it's going to lead to other problems. You will eventually, you will become bound in other areas in your life too because the devil is not content just to bind you a little bit. He wants you fully bound. He wants to control you. He wants to stop you from experiencing any of the good things that God is trying to work in your life. 2 Corinthians 2, verse 10, Paul says, Now whom you forgive anything, I also forgive. For if indeed I have forgiven anything, I have forgiven that one for your sakes in the presence of Christ, lest Satan should take advantage of us, for we are not ignorant of his devices. He's talking about forgiving. If you have unforgiveness, that's one of the devices that Satan uses to get you in bondage. And it, believe me, it is prevalent because I think, I think pride is, is the worst, but right behind it is unforgiveness. And I think the way it works is when you have pride, you're easily offended because nobody should say anything bad about me or negative about me, and I'm the very best and blah, blah, blah. I mean, you're all full of yourself. And so everything that doesn't go just exactly right, you rear up. Your pride rears up, and you begin to say, oh, oh. And, and then you start getting bitter, and you, and you have unforgiveness, and you think, they shouldn't have said that about me. That wasn't right. And, and, and man, you can get yourself into bondage so deep that you'll think you'll never get out, but God can get you out. Been there and done it. God can get you out. He can deliver you from unforgiveness and he can deliver you from bitterness and he is able and willing if we'll just call on him. And the enemy tries to fill you with bitterness and then he starts giving you the fear. You know, they, 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 they three days in the desert, no water. I mean, they were getting concerned and rightfully so. I mean, that's not something to just ignore. I mean, they probably were getting thirsty and they probably were wondering how we're going to survive. There's a million or so of us that are no water. You know, you can't cut a cactus and suck on it and feed a million people. I mean, that, uh, I'm sure there was a lot to be concerned about. First John 4:18. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear because fear involves torment. Fear involves torment, but he who fears has not been made perfect in love. So, see, they missed the whole point. God says, I'm going to take you to the promised land. But all they could see was right now. They couldn't see the promised land. All they could see was their thirst right now. All they could see was the bitter waters right now. They couldn't see anything beyond that. And they became fearful. When they became fearful, they got bitter, and they, got, they started grumbling against God and grumbling against Moses. And when you grumble, you just put yourself in a position where you are blocking all of God's blessings and favor and, and uh, all the good things he's trying to pour out on our life. God's goodness abounds towards us all the time. But when you begin to grumble and complain, when you begin to walk in bitterness and unforgiveness, it's like you got a you got one of those uh, force fields over you, you know, like a big umbrella, and you're walking around. everywhere you're going. God's just dumping blessings down, but they're just go, they're just bouncing off because you got your force field up, and you don't even know that's what's happening. And then you're saying, "Why is God not blessing me?" Why, why is this not working out better for me? And it's probably because 
you are resisting all the good things that God is doing. You're not doing it maybe intentionally, but unintentionally, unknowingly, because you've got bitterness and unforgiveness, you're blocking all of his blessings. They're trying to flow in your life. You're just walking around oblivious. I sure wish God would give me some water. <laughs> you know. James 5, 9. Do not grumble against one another, brethren, lest you be condemned. Behold, the judge is standing at the door. God doesn't like grumbling. He doesn't like grumbling. And believe me, I'm not preaching to you guys because about that because I don't think y'all are grumblers. Y'all are very sweet, loving, kind, generous people. I love you. I don't have any issues with that. I've been in, I've been in churches where there were grumblers, and it's very disruptive. It creates dissension and problems. Jude 1, verse 16 these are grumblers, complainers, walking according to their own lusts, and they mouth great swelling words, flattering people to gain advantage. You don't want to be like that. The people he's talking about are not good people. And you have to be careful. Always be careful to what you're taking in and what you're listening to because someone, some, some dear saint may come up to you and say, hey, you know, brother so-and-so over there you know he, he's uh, I love him man I'm praying for him but you know what and they just begin to tell you all about their problems and and then it's like but if they just listen to me you know everything would be okay because I tried to help them I tried to do that's what he says here they're grumblers and they're complainers and they're doing things they're saying things to try to build themselves up for their own advantage and people are filled with pride you know even in a body of Christ there's people walking around that are pretty proud I mean I admit, I've got pride. You know, I try to keep it in control, but, you know, I have it. I'd be lying if I said I didn't have any pride. I wish I could say that. But I, I try not to respond in pride. If someone tells me I'm ugly, I'll just say thank you. Yeah. If someone says I'm stupid, I say, okay, I'll get a book. I'll try to learn. Uh, and if someone says, man, you preached a good message, I'm more likely to say, well, it was just the Lord, you know, the anointing of the Lord. It wasn't anything I did. Because I, I don't want to feed my pride. Because pride will start you down all that road of, of bitterness and grumbling and unforgiveness and anger. And it'll, it'll put you in bondage. But the sweetness comes from God. The bitterness comes from the devil. The sweetness comes from God. Ephesians 5, 2, walk in love as Christ also loved us and gave himself, himself for us, an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling aroma. That's who Jesus is. He gave himself as a sweet-smelling aroma. God wants to give us sweetness. He wants to give us goodness. We ought to be sweet. You know, the people of God ought to be the sweetest people on the planet. Nothing, nothing irritates me more and to see some dear saint that is just grumbling and grouching and hateful and snarling and it's like, man, where, where, is, where is the sweetness of Christ? We ought to be sweet. We ought to be gentle. We ought to be kind. We ought to be thoughtful. And we ought to have kind words to say about people, even, even if they don't deserve it. We ought to dream up something good to say about someone. Have a good expectation. That's what Paul said in Corinthians 13. He's, you know, that's what love is all about. You expect good things. You believe good things, even though they might not be doing it. You see someone that's misbehaving. Don't just say, what a rat they are. Start saying, what, 
man, God can do so many wonderful things in their life. I've got great hope that God's going to going to you know help them and they're going to get better and they're going to change that's the way i want to be i want to talk about the good things i don't want to talk about the negative things because when you're focusing on the negative stuff you're just like the devil that's what the devil does he's the accuser of the brethren the devil always focuses on all the negatives you're a loser you're broken you're messed up you're never going to be any better this is the way it's always going to be you might as well just accept that this is who you are blah 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 forever and ever he just keeps on and you get some victory and you get excited and then he comes back to yeah but it's not going to last it's just temporary you're still that same person and god is saying no you're a new creation all things are becoming new don't give up don't listen to the wrong voice the voice you need to tune into is god's voice because he wants you to be healed and whole in every part of your life every part of your life so you've got to cry out to God like they did. Moses cried out to God. Acts 2, 37. Peter's preaching on the day of Pentecost, and they got convicted. It said when, he heard, when they heard this, they were cut to the heart, and they said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Men and brethren, what shall we do? Peter said to them, Repent, and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promises to you, to your children, to all who are far off and as many as the Lord our God will call. He said, if you don't like what's going on in your life, just repent and receive what God's offering. He's got a good plan for you, and it's free. doesn't cost you anything. Acts 3.19, repent, therefore, and be converted, that your sins may be blotted out so that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. God wants us to be filled with his sweetness and his goodness. But we have to ask, we have to cry out, we have to acknowledge our great need for him. If you're filled with pride and you're thinking you don't need God, you don't need his help, I've got my own ideas about how to live, and by golly, I'm going to do it my way. If that's your attitude, then you're going to get what you get, and it might not be too pretty. In this story, there was a tree. Now, I don't want to make too much out of it, but... It is interesting that there was a tree involved in the healing of the waters. In this story about God revealing himself as our healer, there was a tree. John 3, 14 and 15, Jesus said, As Moses lift up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. John 12, 32, And I, if I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all peoples to myself. Colossians 2.13, you being dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, he has made alive together with him, having forgiven you all trespasses, having wiped out the handwriting of requirements that was against us, which was contrary to us. He's taken it out of the way, having nailed it to the cross, having disarmed principalities and powers. He made a public spectacle of them triumphing over them, in it in the cross the cross was a tree in that desert there was a special tree it was called Christus crosses and when it grew it was shaped like this no I'm just kidding that'd be a great story but that's not true but God showed him a tree God said I'm going to show you a tree and if you put that tree in the water it'll make that bitter water heal and it'll be sweet and God's always been pointing us to the tree he's always been pointing us to the cross 
It hasn't changed. He's always been pointing us to the cross. The cross is where he paid for all that we experience in the kingdom. It's all provided through what he did on the cross. So then the test. The test means to put to the test in order to ascertain the nature of something, including imperfections or fault or other qualities. So it's a test. It's not a tempt. It's not a temptation. It's a test. It's a chance to prove. It's a chance to see what you're going to do for you to choose, how you're going to respond. And God says in, uh, in this verse, in verse uh, 26, chapter 15 of Exodus, God says, if you diligently heed the voice of the Lord your God and do what is right in his sight, give ear to his commandments, keep all the statutes, I will put none of the diseases on you which I brought on the Egyptians, for I am the Lord who heals you. The verse before that, it says that, he said, I'm, I'm giving you these statutes and these ordinances to test you, to see if you're going to obey, to see if you're going to believe what I say. He wants to know, are we going to believe? Are we going to believe what he says? We have to believe who he is. We have to hear and obey. When he says, diligently heed, in the Hebrew, that is, hear, hear. It's like shalom, shalom, perfect peace. They don't really have a good superlative, and so they say it twice when they want it to be like a superlative. Good, better, and best, you know, the superlatives. So hear, hear. He wants us to hear, and that's, that's to emphasize the importance of hearing. We have to hear what he says, and we have to give ear to it. We have to respond to it. Revelations 3.20, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and dine with him and he with me. He's knocking. We have to hear and we have to open the door. We have to respond. It's, it's okay to hear, but if you don't open the door, nothing's really going to change. You have to hear and you have to open so that he can come in and do the things that he wants to do. Matthew eleven fifteen, Jesus said, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. He said that a number of times. And he said it about a number of different things. What he's saying is, you better hear and you better listen and you better respond or you're going to miss what God is trying to do in your life. In that verse 26 that we read, he makes the three points. Do, give ear, and keep. You have to hear the voice of the Lord. you got to do what is right in His sight. Give ear to His commandments and keep all His statutes. Now, I'm not saying you have to be perfect to be healed. I, please, don't. I, I'm not even going there. I'm just saying He wants you to be committed to Him. He wants you to be walking with Him. He wants you to be trying to follow Him. And when you do that, when you know who He is and what He says and you believe what He says and you're walking with Him, trying to do what He said, then he's going to pour out his blessings on you. And it's going, to be, it's going to be like preventative maintenance on your bodies. It's going to be preventative maintenance on your souls. It's going, to be, it's going to be healing for when you actually are broken. But it wants to be all of that. I believe that he wants us to have divine health, spiritually and, and physically. I mean, we ought to be healthy. God's people ought to be healthy and whole. We ought to have health. I mean, I believe that's what the Bible teaches. I don't know why it doesn't always work out. 
But I believe that's the ideal, and that's what we ought to hope for. That's what we ought to believe. That's what we ought to expect, because God wants to bring us into the promised land, right? He's not going to leave us in the desert. He's not going to leave us with the, the bitter waters or no water. He's going to rain down manna from heaven. He's going to give us water from the, from the rock, who is Christ. I mean, he, he has a plan, and it's, and it's a good plan. It's a plan to take care of us through all the things that we experience in life. Jesus said in Matthew 7, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father. So it's great to say, Lord, I love you and I want to serve you, but it's better to just go out and do it. Talking about it is just not going to get it done. You have to actually obey. If you believe, true faith will create a reaction and an action in you. If you have faith, you'll respond. I mean, if I believe this building is fixing to collapse, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to run out of here. I'm not just going to stand here. If you believe God is going to heal you or going to deliver you or going to save you, you expect that. And when, he, when you pray that prayer, then you begin to act like you have received. That's the way you believe. You believe and you respond. You obey. When God asked me to, to, to believe him, and I read what his word says, I begin to say, okay, that means I have to try to, to quit sinning. I mean, it's, it's my responsibility to live uprightly, to do the things I know that please him, to avoid the things I know that are sin, that are wrong. And he doesn't leave me alone. He is there to help me. He is my healer. He's healing my soul, the brokenness in my soul. He is healing. He is helping me to be restored in my soul and renewed in my mind so that I don't have to continue to be the same sinner that I always was. Man, this is getting to be good, but i got to quit. So, worship team, y'all come back. Maybe we'll do part two next week. There might be a whole new perspective next week. Because life is, is an ongoing development. But I know this. The Lord is our healer. And the first thing and the most important thing that is healed is your spirit and your soul. When you got that part taken care of, everything else will begin to line up. Your body will line up. Your finances will line up. Uh, your relationships will line up. Things will begin to line up. When you get your heart in alignment with God, He can order all the rest of the affairs of your life. But if you're not right with God, then everything is going to be disarray. And that is not a pleasant experience to live life that way. So we need, to, we need to believe that God is who he says he is. Hebrews says that God is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. We have, to, we have to believe that he is who he says he is. Come to him that way. So when you need healing, come to God knowing that he is our healer. When you need peace, come to God knowing that he is our peace. When you need someone to lead you and guide you, Come to him as your shepherd. When you're struggling with, with a, a thought about sin or a condemnation that you're dealing with because of some past thing, come to him and know him as God, the Lord, your righteousness. I mean, he is the name that we come to. He is our provider. He is everything we need. But we have to believe he is who he says he is, and he'll do what he said he would do. Let's stand and worship.
So Lord, that's what we're asking this morning, is you would say that word over each one of us, Lord, for the, for the areas of our lives that we struggle, uh, fears, bitterness, anger, unforgiveness. Maybe we have a financial need. Maybe we have a physical need. Lord, all of these areas, are, they are not too difficult for you. You are our rescuer. You are our deliverer. You can set us free. You can make us whole. You can do all those things because you are Jehovah Rapha. You are our healer. You want to heal our spirit, heal our broken hearts. And when we are right with you, then we can rightly proclaim that you are our healer of our physical bodies. You are healer of all of our circumstances. You are the one who can deliver and set us free in regarding everything in our lives because you are our healer. Yes, thank you, Jesus. We choose. We choose, Lord, to submit everything to you. We choose to surrender to you, make you Lord of every aspect of our life. As we do that, I know that you will begin to, to align things in our lives. You'll begin to orderly arrange them. You'll begin to bring healing and health and wholeness in areas of our lives that we struggled for years. As we submit ourselves to you, allow you to have your way, you will begin to work your miraculous power, your healing power in every area of our lives, Lord. We thank you for that. In Jesus' name.
pray that you would seal this word in our hearts that we would know that we would know that we would know that we would know that you are our healer you are our savior you are our deliverer you are our baptizer in the holy spirit you are our soon coming king you are the one who does all things well yes thank you Jesus. i want to know you that way i want to know you as the god who can do everything Nothing is too difficult for you. I want to know you as the God that can, that can part the Red Seas and I can go across on dry land. I want to know you as the God that can heal me of my sickness and disease. And I want to know you as the God that can set me free of my sins and my bondage. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. If you need special prayer, someone will meet you at the altar. And, uh, and I'm going to bless you now. So may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and grant you his peace. Hallelujah.